Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. It has been a long 12 years, my friends, going through different schools and, and a 24-hour gym and all these other places that we've been to, and we've been kind of wandering in the desert since then. But the Lord finally has made us cross Jordan, and now we're into the promised land. So again, thank the Lord for that. Amen to that. And I want to thank every one of you that helped us make the move over here. It was a lot of work this week, and a lot of people put in hours and hours to make this happen. But also, thank you to all the people that are with us all these years, setting up, tearing down every Sunday morning, and just kind of living out of a tent, so to speak, like the, the children of Israel in the desert. And so, obviously, the Lord saw what you were doing. He's going to reward you for that because you gutted it out. There was times where we didn't even have air conditioning in 110 degree weather. There was times in the winter we didn't have heat. There was times when people would go to the bathroom and roaches would crawl up their legs. Can you imagine that at the schools? The schools were filthy, but our people put up with it and they, they, they didn't care. As long as the word of God was taught, they went there and they suffered through all of that. So many of you guys remember that. So amen, God bless you guys for that. So what I want to do before we start in on, on Joshua, now, again, um, I'm not starting a new series. We just need to pause in our series. We're in Genesis right now studying the life of Abraham. But I want to pause because now it's a time to re-up, re, re-dedicate, re-think uh, re, uh, about our original call that we did 12 years ago when we started out at Stockdale High School. And so I'm going to go and actually preach the sermon I did 12 years ago but it has greatly modified, let's put it that way, after 12 years of experience, uh, my sermon is very, very different. But before we do this, this is what I want to do. I want to do a prayer of dedication to the Lord while we're all here, and that way we're on all services, we're praying, and we're dedicating this spot. I'll tell you the story of how we got this spot a little bit. There's a, a very, it's a God thing, it's a very interesting story. But let me first go before the Lord with you, and let's dedicate this property to the Lord, okay? Let's go before him. Father, we thank you so much for, after 12 years, you have seen us through. You are with us all the way, and you have given us a space. Just like you gave the children of Israel the promised land, this is our promised land that you gave us. We cannot deny the hand of God. We cannot deny that your intervention and being able to get here and provide all the money, all the, the help, all the, 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 the whole process, the logistics, everything to make this day happen, Father. So we attribute it to you, Father. This is your church. This is your property. This is your place. Help us now to be good stewards of it. And Father, that we would do the work and expand our ministry beyond even what we're doing now. That we be prepared to fight the good fight of faith as we know that now we're in the promised land, we're going to have to fight. So Father, give us the strength and courage to continue to on, to carry on the mission until the day you call us home. So we dedicate this now, this whole property, this church to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Okay, so let's talk about the call. So we're going to talk a little bit about Rock Harbor, our original call. This is what I said 12 years ago, but we've added a few things. The call, obviously, is seen in Joshua's life. The call of Israel to go into the promised land and take what God had given them. 
And here's the principle. God will give you a call in your individual life, and, but you have to be responsible to go get it. You have to fight for it. It's given to you, but you will have to fight. The children of Israel squandered that initially, and now they were, uh, they were caused to wander in the desert for four, uh, 40 years. And now it is time for them to go in. After that generation had passed away that lacked faith, now the new generation is going in with Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua is going to lead it now. And it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Eved, it's a special term for Moses in that he spent his whole life serving God. That's all his agenda was. And it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. For to you, this people, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to give their fathers to give, to them, to give them, which was obviously a promise to Abraham. So that's what, that's what was, uh, was the task, and now they're going to go into it. And that's, that was given our task, that we were going to start Rock Harbor, and this is the task the Lord gave us. And here's the principle. God is going to call you, call Rock Harbor, individually to do something for him on his agenda it's not your plans it's not it's not what you want it's with his his agenda and he put it on our heart a group of us about 78 starting out to start a new work i'll explain what that new work was but from that perspective 12 years ago it was impossible 80 percent of the churches that's that plant fail in the first year of that, that, those churches that make it out of the first year, only, only 20% of them will make it past five years. So we passed the statistics, and I can tell you the reasons why in a bit. But he's what, this is what he wants from you. He's, he's challenging you with a call, a call to do what is humanly impossible. Only through him can you accomplish that. And then it will bring you more responsibility in your life. There's no doubt about it. And that's what he did to us. So let me explain Rock Harbor a little bit of how we started and what we're con continuing to do. Rock Harbor is what we call a remnant Philadelphia church. We're part of the remnant that's left in these last days. There's too many churches that have went south. They went in apostasy. They're lukewarm. They, they tiptoe through the tulips, and they don't preach the word anymore. And that's the problem. They preach feel-good messages you're okay, I'm okay, let's go. There's no conviction whatsoever. They don't confront people with sin, and they definitely don't confront them with the cross. The reason we put this cross here to do a replica of, of the original as accurate as we could is to confront people, to confront them to realize that is your only way of salvation. It's through the blood of the Messiah and his death. So many uh, churches are taking down the cross. Why would you take down the cross when it was the instrument in which Jesus died on to seal your redemption? Why would you hide that? Is this too offensive for you? Because it isn't to me. This is sweet. This is salvation. This is grace. And if you don't like the cross, you have a problem. Because Jesus is the only way. And every day, that some, every Sunday, people walk in, I want them to be confronted, the price Messiah paid for them. May we never forget that, as many churches do. 
So what is our call? It's a very unique call. A Philadelphia church has a very unique call. Our, our call is not to be the biggest church in town. Never has been. You stay long enough around me, I'll thin out the crowd. I will do, I will do it on purpose. So we teach the whole counsel of God from pillar to post, Genesis to Revelation. Now you say most churches do that. No, they don't. They cherry pick their way through, church, uh, through the scriptures. They pick only the niceties. They do sermon series that are topical. They won't exegete the passage and go expositionally book by ver book, line by line, and verse by verse. Because if you, they know if they do, they have to confront issues that are difficult for people. They will have to talk about things that make people uncomfortable. And so what they do is they cherry pick their way. So you will never hear a hard-hitting message on Sodom and Gomorrah. You will never hear anything from the book of Revelation or Daniel or any of these passages that talk about God's judgment. They have a hermeneutic called the hermeneutic of love, and that's all they preach. It's an unbalanced way of teaching, but it grows the church numerically. We teach from also a Jewish perspective, not a Gentile perspective. The key to understanding most passages in the Bible is you've got to know the culture, you've got to know the language, and you've got to know the Jewish idioms. Because if you don't, you will suffer from Gentile problems. Gentiles don't understand the Jewish context. And so in, the Bible is a Jewish book. Our religion is Jewish, okay? So you have to know that. So we teach dis, uh, distinctly from a Jewish perspective. Our discipleship on Sunday morning and during the week is for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. Sunday morning is not for evangelism. It has been flip-flopped by the seeker-friendly movement. It has been flip-flopped by the purpose-driven church to make, our service, to make church's services evangelistically oriented. That is not the way the church is designed by Christ. According to Ephesians, it is for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry, then to go out and evangelize outside of the church, not, not come and see, it's go and tell. That's the way it works. So my job is to make you as mature as I possibly can, because in doing so, it'll automatically make you an evangelist to do the work of ministry. So that's what we do. Sunday mornings, Sunday night, Wednesday is geared for your maturity, not pap and dribble, not ABCs, one, two, threes. I will pick high fruit for you, and that's our call. We are to teach a biblical worldview. That way, that in order to do that, I must bring current events into the situation to tell you how to think about certain things from a biblical standpoint. People will say, well, you're being political. I'm not being political because the things that are happening in this world are intersecting with the Bible. They're intersecting with morality and decency. And so we have to talk about that. How do we think about that? When churches and pastors remain silent, their people think it's tacit acceptance of a particular thing, whether that's wokeism, Marxism, critical race theory, transgenderism, or whatever it might be. We also teach prophecy. We make people aware that we're in the last days. I don't shy away from connecting dots. I don't care where, what book I'm in, I'm gonna connect dots to show you, hey look, they're establishing a digital currency. How does that fit into Bible prophecy? Hey look, they're destroying our economy. What does this mean for globalism? Hey look, they're trying to make a global government. What is the, how does that all shape for Bible prophecy? And I will mention that. Furthermore, we are to be salt and light in the culture and the community. What does that mean? That I sit back and I just 
talk about how bad the community is? No. I actually engage in it, and so does the church. We're in front of Planned Parenthood praying. We go to school board meetings and tell them they're crazy, that you, try, you guys are grooming school children, and you shouldn't. We do that. We partner with uh, uh, the pregnancy centers in town, whether that's Right to Life, Kern County Right to Life, Bakersfield Pregnancy Center, and we also partner with Philip Lee, who helps people in homosexuality and lesbian get out of it, and through Jesus Christ. So we engage in the fight. If you want to be part of the cultural war, here's what, it, what, what we do. The problem is most churches won't engage. They can rail and, and speak bad about the evil, but they never do anything about it. We will register people to vote. We will try to enforce policy change on these politicians. That's our call. We also carry the shepherd's rod and staff. Most churches won't carry the rod. They only carry the staff. A shepherd carries two rods. Thy rod and thy staff do what? They comfort me, Psalm 23. What does that mean? Well, the crook... The staff of the shepherd, which is a crook, is used to have unity among the sheep. That's what that, that would be used for. So he would pull the sheep back in to keep them to, in the flock and not let one uh, scatter and get lost. But the rod is a different instrument. The rod is meant for enemies. The shepherd would use the rod to beat away the wolves, the lions, the bears. And David went one extreme. He used a slingshot to get them all in practice for Goliath. But he car- a shepherd will carry a rod. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So what does it mean when a church carries a rod? It means that my job is to fight off the enemies that are, are seeking to destroy you and your family, which means I will point out false teachers. I will point out false prophets. I will point out unbiblical ideologies. I will point out people causing division within the church. My job is to protect the flock, to have unity and protection. Therefore, do not be offended if I name names, if I call out ideologies for what it is. For instance, like Black Lives Matter ended up being a Marxist organization from their website. I will call things out like that. We don't commit the sin of silence here at Rock Harbor. We speak the truth in love, but we're not remaining silent anymore. The churches that remain silent are, 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 are causing the problem. They are the problem of why we've lost the culture war. Their silence is deafening in our culture. This is why Marxists and secular atheists have taken over. This is why communists have taken over. This is why socialism has taken over our country because of the silences of the church. That's not our call. Our call is to speak. We do not play the game of nickels and noses. We started like this, and we will always be like that. What do you mean? My job is not to make you comfortable. My job is to convict you. My job is to challenge you. My job is to encourage you to be more like Christ. That being the case, I can thin out the crowd pretty quick. Okay? And that's just the way it is because I'm not playing the ministry game of nickels and noses. What do you mean? If I play the game like many churches do of nickels and noses, I would have to tone down my message to a second grade level, give a motivational speak for 20 to 25 minutes, 
and send you on your way. That way you never leave the church and you don't, and you don't stop giving. I don't play that game. We have plenty of money from God and we will go with whoever stays. We don't care. If I offend you, if the church offends you, we're not the right church for you because we don't play that game. New additions that he added Why we were on this journey of the last 12 years. What we have learned in the last three to four years is we will only submit to governing authorities if they align with the word of God. Amen? Now, that's in retrospect of what we went through with the shutdowns. We didn't shut down. We kept going. We defied the government of Pharaoh Newsom because we, we believed that was unbiblical because it made us violate a passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves as some are in the habit of doing so. And based on that, we defied Gavin Newsom. We didn't put on masks. We didn't do health checks at the door. We didn't do temperature checks. And we won't anymore ever if they try to do that. It is nonsense. And what we're trying to do now, the new thing that God put on us is to build a community that takes care of each other. We call it the marketplace or the exchange. We realize the times that we're in. We realize we're going to have to take care of each other. We work on different areas of providing food, water for our own people, communication, security for our own people, health care for our own people. Because the time is coming when they switch us to a digital currency, all Hades will break loose. And we will need each other in that. So that's a new thing that God has uh, told us to do. A new thing that we've been doing for several years is forget the brick and mortar mentality. Use the technology to your advantage to evangelize and minister to the remnant beyond the walls of this church. Our ministry already is thriving. It is in the thousands and upon thousands that watch us online throughout the United States, all 50 states, and I believe we're in like 73, 74 different countries, even on the dark web, people in China and Russia are even listening to us. This is the new thing that we will continue to do to expand our ministry. This is why 12 times a year I will be gone ministering to that, that body outside of our church walls. And then, that being the case, let's go back to the scriptures and see what he says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. So when you do the will of God and you, you, you submit to it and you get on his agenda, nothing can stop you if you do the will of God. Now, here's the thing. It took us 12 years to get here and there was plenty of roadblocks and plenty of hindrances, but notice what happened. Nothing stopped us. We got here because of God's will. Nothing. But we had to push through hindrances. There was hindrances along the way. And even in your own personal life, you can apply this into, to, to you. You try to do the will of God, Satan will come and put hindrances in front of you. The first hindrance he will put you is the world satanic system. We call it the cosmos. He is the God of this world. And what he wants people to do is to accept unbiblical ideologies. He wants Rock Harbor to compromise and accept unbiblical ideologies like wokeism or whatever it might be or gay affirming or whatever you want to say. And what it does is it causes churches to compromise, to surrender, to give up, to settle. And in essence of doing that, you compromise and you commit apostasy 
And that's what a lot of church is doing. We're living in the age of apostasy. Think about all the isms that are out there. Climate change, the new religion of climate change, wokeism, and basically the hidden Marxism and communism that is going through every part of our society. We identify that. We're not allowing that to come and creep into our church. Churches shut down during the COVID uh, crisis or whatever, and many people in this community came and told me what happened to their church. After their church shut down for a year or whatever, the church is reactivated, came back in line. The first day, the pastor gets up there and tells people we need to apologize for our white privilege. That's what I'm talking about. That ain't happening here. But this is what's going on because they've accepted it. Look at this. Maryland court uh, rules parents do not have fundamental right to opt their children out of classroom instruction on LGBT religion. We're not compromising on this. This is why we go to board meetings. This is why we tell the board, you've got to stop this. You can't take the rights from parents away from their children and give it to a teacher that's going to groom them. That's not happening. Look at this survey. Teachers at 1,000 districts hide kids' sexual display from their parents. This is why we are creating a Christian school. This is why our next development is a Christian school that can safeguard people and kids away from this nonsense because nothing's stopping this in the public schools. New York uh, AG, uh, Ed Chief uh, pushed joint statement, schools can't ban lewdness from classrooms. You can't ban lewdness from classrooms. Using a pretext of inappropriateness or lewdness to systematically remove diverse perspectives from the classroom. You can't do that. Excuse me. So what he's saying is this. If you as a parent see them doing, grooming your kids, and you say, hey, man, having a drag queen at my kid's school is lewdness and inappropriate, they're saying, you can't say that. That's what they're telling us. Do you see where the war is at? We are not backing down from that war because kids are at stake. Now, the other hindrance that will come our way and did come our way in the last 12 years is us. We stumble ourselves in, in, the, uh, in the call of God. And here's what we have to understand, what I've learned in the last 12 years. We have to protect ourselves from the wrong priorities, the wrong agendas that people will bring to us, the wrong objects of love, no hobby horses. We stay on mission, no missional creep, and wrong people from within. I have no problem telling people if they're not a fit to find another church because I have seen over the last 12 years infiltration infiltration from people that want their own agenda and seek to change the mission that God has given Rock Harbor. Not happening. You will have to find another church if that is your agenda because it causes the us to get off track. So I will deal with it. And the main person we're dealing with is not just a threat from the outside, it's the threat within the church. We're in the days of Laodicea. Laodicea is the biggest threat to the church right now. It is the church of apostasy. They are totally off track. They don't see, they don't hear, and they don't speak. That's Laodicea. A couple of facets about Laodicea that you need to be aware of. They're worldly believers. They believe that affluence is a blessing of God. They're nicer than God mentality, intolerance, compassion, and love. They go beyond the scriptures. How could you be nicer than God? And according to Laodicea, according to Christ, they're useless. You're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm, which means you're useless to the kingdom. But Laodicea is everywhere. But here's the problem. We're a Philadelphia church. 
Laodicea and, and Philadelphia are like water and oil. They don't mix very well. Here's an example of Laodicea and what I'm referring to. North Point, Andy Stanley, sending children to all LGBTQ therapists. The Christian, it's called the, the organization that he partners with is called the Christian Closet. It is an all LGBTQ Christian counselors that offer help on topics like coming out, transitioning, starting your first queer relationship, deconstructing, depression, dealing with trauma, and everything in between. It's an online therapeutic resource for people who, who are trying to work out what it means to have LGBTQ sexual identity or gender identity with a Christian context. That's Laodicea. The opposite in a Philadelphia is we have Philip Lee, who is a member of our church from his way out. If you have family members that are struggling with homosexuality and lesbianism, we don't want to affirm that sin. We want to get them out of it through Jesus Christ. So we send our people to Philip Lee, and he, through his ministry, helps them find the freedom in Christ. But the Laodicea affirms it. And keeps them in, which destroys their lives. This is Laodicea, top female evangelist in the world, whips out her water pistol filled with anointing oil. I guess that how, that's how they bless people. This is the craziness. Former leader of the ELCA goes off on Jesus' sermon, calling him mean, troubling, and even a little racist. That's Laodicea, my friends. Get a good eye about them. Mega Church puts on Encanto, themed church service, free popcorn and candy. The churches have turned into a worshiptainment. Remember what I said, we are here to disciple, we are not here to entertain. But yet the churches, we're going to entertain them. So we're going to do a movie, a series on movies and Encanto. Encanto, by the way, if you've ever heard about it or, or seen it, is about magic, a sorcery, stuff like that. Why would you even bring that into the church? Huh. Other hindrances. And understand this, this will hit you in your own personal lives. Family, friends, dysfunctional people, government agencies, sectors of society, academia, media, and those who sin against us. They will come at us. And what they were trying to do is have you focus on the pain that they're causing so you don't focus in on the call. And we've had a series and series of, of that happening through the last 12 years. And here's what's happening. They want your compliance in order to vo avoid pain. And that's their goal. The government is not done with this COVID junk. They want to push it again because it works so well. And again, we're watching if this fall it will happen. I don't know if it will or not, but I'm hearing rumors. I'm hearing rumors they're going to require it for flights. I'm hearing rumors that more lockdowns might be coming, or even climate change lockdowns might be coming. I don't know, but I can tell you this. We're not shutting our doors. It ain't happening because they want compliance to avoid pain. Well, Brandon, you're going to lose your tax-exempt status. Who cares? Who cares? Kiss it goodbye. I don't care. Take it away. We're not playing that game. I'm not going to obey Gavin Newsom. Over the, over the Lord, forget that. But look what's happening, guys. Two Kentucky school districts canceled classes at the beginning of the school year after COVID and other viruses nuke attendance. Didn't we already learn not to shut down the schools? Did we not learn, did we not figure out that the teachers unions were behind the shutdowns as far as the schools and the kids not going back and look the damage that it did to the kids? And yet they wanted to do it again. They wanted to do it again. 
And here's the news we, we already know. CDC warns latest COVID variant infects fully vaccinated, admitting the vaccines don't work. Thank you very much. Top ep uh, epidemiologist told CDC in a secret letter that COVID face masks don't work. We know that. But why do they continue to push it on us? And then when you try to push back, you get like this man gets, man removed from school board meeting while reading sexually explicit book that had, that had been available in the library. He was just reading what was in their library that, has that the kids can access, and then he's removed for reading it. What does that tell you about our schools? But they want compliance. This is what they want you to do. Shut up. Don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your Christianity private. Don't get in my dish. We're having our way. Look what they've done to Jordan Peterson, Canada. He's ordered to go re-education, to an re-education, which he's not going to do. Why? Because, it, believe it or not, Jordan Peterson might be either close to converting, or maybe he has, I'm not sure, I've been watching this, but he espouses biblical views, and he calls things out, and, the, and Canada wants him to be re-educated. That's how bad Canada's got. Again, what do they want from him? Compliance. Compliance or will cause you pain. Look at this guy did. Pa uh, the Pastor Todd Smith, good for him. Laramie Faith Community Church in Wyoming. His argument at the university there was they were allowing tr transgender guys going into sororities, okay? Which obviously is a problem, as you know. And he fought to, to call this guy out and don't let this, you can't put a guy in a sorority with girls. It's like putting a guy in a locker room with girls. Doesn't work out. Good thing the federal judge sides with him. God bless him for fighting that. That's the kind of guy we partner with. That's the kind of guy we like. Now, we get into a little bit more uh, devilish hindrances. What I've learned at the last 12 years, and even this last year, trying to get into this building, is that demonic forces are at work, big time, like I've never seen before. I have seen supernatural things like I could never imagine. Warfare, all kinds of stuff from the demonic realm. So something must be up. And I can tell you this, this last year was completely demonic. The superintendent who worked on this whole building said, Brandon, I've never seen anything like this. I've been building all my years. I have never seen the weirdo supernatural, whatever thing you want to call it, things happening here. Just, it just doesn't happen. And I said, well, I said, Todd, I said, for goodness sakes, I, I, I chalk it up to the demonics. They don't want us in here. Their job is to delay us so they can get everything in place before we get here. But the demonic will use people against you. The demonic will delay you. The demonic will tempt you with the wrong help. That's really a key to understanding you're desperate for help, but Satan will bring the wrong help to you. He will use betrayal for discouragement, so you'll quit. And he bombards you with evil constantly. He just never stops, if you notice that. And why is that? He wants to create evil fatigue in you, that you just surrender, stop paying attention, that you check out. And, this, and these attacks make us doubt the love of God. Look at the attacks that are going on. Catholic school closes because, uh, sorry, uh, 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 puts out a policy rejecting gender ideology, and they're crying violence. This is what I'm talking, this is satanic. Transgender, a male librarian gags woman for misgendering somebody. This is satanic. 
Rock legend Alice Cooper dismantles transgenderism. It's so absurd, a fad, so confusing to a kid, to a teenager. So tell me this. It takes Alice Cooper, okay? <laughs> Alice Cooper to do a better job than 98% of the pastors? Come on, man. There's something wrong with that. Huh. And look at this. Even horses, horses know something's not right. Watch these horses as they refuse to cross a pride uh, 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 design on the street as a sidewalk. Watch this. Mounted police force. Oh, I don't like the color. I don't like the color. They won't go. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. The horse even knows better, for goodness sakes. Gosh. Amazing, isn't it? Now, he tells Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. So it's already given, and it's actually in the past tense, like it's already a done deal, but you've got to go out and get it. As I have said to Moses, so this is a reiteration of it, from the wilderness and this, Le and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Now, again, he's repeating what Moses has already been told in Deuteronomy. Here's an interesting thing. When you go to the real Mount Sinai, which is in Saudi Arabia, where the area of Midian used to be, in the real Mount Sinai, you find all, all kinds of archaeological evidence of the children of Israel being there. There's the 12 altars, the, uh, there's 12 pillars, um, uh, there's the burnt top on the mountain, there's the funneling gates for the animal sacrifice, and there's the water that came out, the, uh, the, the rock where the water came out, you can see it, you can see the place where the golden calf is, and there's all these markings of the golden calf around it, and then there's one interesting thing that's there. On the rocks, are these footprint drawings everywhere. Now, what is that? It's everywhere over in the area. Plus, there's huge burials. A burial site about 3,000 people. But in the area next to Mount Sinai in Arabia, they find these footprints. Do you know what this is? Archaeologists have concluded that this is them keeping this passage in Deuteronomy. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. And so the Israelis started marking around their foot every place that they stepped was theirs. They had already started it, and the archaeology says that they were already believing this practice as they went as the children of Israel. I think that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? But what is that? It's called faith. It's called faith. They believe that, yes, God gave it, this to us. It's ours. God gave us this, this ground, right? And the idea here, I want to tell you a little story about this ground. This is an amazing story. There was a supernatural thing how we got it. We got it for way below market price. But it had to do with the owner. The owner was a Christian. And here's how, here's how the story goes. A long time ago, on this property... 
the owner had her house here, and she had a big barn. And one time, somebody had kidnapped a girl from another state. And the kidnapper actually brought the girl to this property and hid her in the barn on this property. And she stayed in this barn hidden, apparently. The owner of the house didn't know. I guess the, the owner of the house had, had left and maybe going to the market or something like that. This girl that was kidnapped escaped. And she ran out and went to, on the snow road and I guess was walking down snow road to escape uh, the situation that she was in. And the owner was coming back and saw her on the side of the road. And she, 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 she saw, obviously she's distressed, or she's distraught, there's, a, there's something wrong. So she stopped on the road and picked her up, and lo and behold, this girl was in her own barn from the kidnapper. He, he was keeping her in this barn, uh, I guess locked up or something, and somehow she escaped. So the owner brought her back, and the owner then uh, uh, you know, helped her, got her reunited with her family, and, and saved the girl. It was a, it's an amazing story. But then the owner said this to us. She said, I knew this day would come. She said, when that happened, I had rescued her physical life. But God had told me that one day this property will be used to rescue people. Wow. Boom. And it happened. And she said, when we called her, we had other people, there were, she had other people competing for the property. And when she heard that a church wanted, she said, that's the answer that God gave me. That's what he wanted. And so this property was from divine ordinance from God saying, this property will be used to rescue people. Isn't that amazing? Blew me away. Blew me away, man. I'm telling you. That's a God thing. Now, here's the thing. God has a mission for us to fulfill. But you, got, you have to fight to do it. We have fought all the way here. It has not been easy. It's been hard. It's been very difficult. At times you want to quit. At times you want to stop and say, is this really worth it? At times you just say, man, this is getting too hard. I don't think we're going to make it. But the Lord continued to, to say, no, I've called you. Do it. God wants to give us eternal rewards. He wants us saved. There's no doubt about that. But that's just the beginning. He wants us to earn the rewards that he has planned for us. And how, how do we know this? Well, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, we, God has prepared before and that you should walk in these works. He has a whole plan. I've reiterated this many times, but he has a whole plan for your life. And in that plan, he wants you to do those good works that he wants you to do. And, in, and if you do them, you'll get the rewards for doing them. And that's why you do it. But you have to go out and get it. You have to, through his power, do it. You have to step out. And that's what's going to happen. And so then the encouragement comes. Be strong and of good courage. Usually these two phrases in Hebrew will come at the same time. They're always in tandem with them. And the first one is kazak, uh, and it, 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 it means strong. It means um, uh, kind of a determined strongness. And, and then a mates um, is unwavering, that you're resolute in the idea. So the two will be used together for this, strength. And resoluteness, strength, and determination. So the, 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 the encouragement from God is saying, have strength and encouragement. But here's the problem. Why have that? Because 
The conflict that you're going to get in is going to elicit fear. It's going to elicit disillusionment, discouragement. I've already been there. I've had my sleepless nights. I know what that feels like. But here's the thing. Where do I draw strength from and determination? Well, I don't draw it from myself. I don't look within like the New Age gurus would tell me. I have to look without. I have to find strength outside of me. I have to find courage outside of me. And how do you do that? Well, he says, here's how I draw from strength. Here's how I draw courage. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. There it is again. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Why, Lord? Why not be afraid? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I will not abandon you on your call. You're not, I, I didn't just call you and just let you go on your own. I will accompany with you. And as long as you obey me, as long as you, you do what I'm wanting to do, I will be with you through it all. In fact, I will fight with you. So again, where did we draw strength from? We draw it from the Lord, but it's those who are faithful and obedient and carrying out his will get that accompaniment. And that's how we did it, through him. There's no other explanation. You can't explain this. When we first started, we had no money. I mean, zero, absolutely zero. We didn't have help from the outside. We didn't have any organizations helping us, any denominations helping us. We started with a big goose egg. And I said, Lord, how in the world are we going to do this? And he says, look, you either step out and trust me, or we're not doing this thing. I'll give it to someone else. So after two years of debating with the Lord and wrestling with him, I finally surrendered to it. And we started. My, my, my intention would be, Lord, just give me the million dollars, and then we'll start, and we'll be fine. Right? That would be great. That would be easy. But he didn't do that. He says, no, you're going to start out with nothing, but don't worry, I'll provide as you step out, but I need you to step out. And you know what? We launched with 78 people. We launched with nothing, nothing. I didn't have a job. I went three months without getting paid. I lost a bunch of money. I had to go into debt in order to start the church, but we started with nothing. And at the end of that year, I don't know how it happened. We had a little measly $350,000 budget and we made it out of the first year. I don't know how that happened, but he just kept providing and providing and providing because the Lord is with you. I looked at building this building and getting this, this place. It was an impossibility. We didn't have the money at the time. How are we going to do this? So we had a little campaign. We raised a little money, and lo and behold, we ended up with a $5.5 million building. I don't know where it all came from, but he, he provided it in different ways and different sources. That's what we're talking about. That's where you get strength. That's where you get courage because he's with you, right? That's what he continues to do for us. And then he continues on. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law of Mo which Moses, my servant, commanded to do uh, you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper. And prosper, we're not talking about health and wealth prosperity gospel. We're talking about succeeding in doing the will of God endeavors. And he says, wherever you go. And then he continues on, and, and, and he's basically saying, look, the success of what I've called you to do will be determined by my, my, my presence, but you must obey me. You must do everything I tell you. Do not, do not veer off. Because if you do, 
That will be the degree I don't help you. You must do it. This is what he's telling Joshua. Again, we're not going to listen to AI Jesus, right? We're not going to do that. You're not going to listen to other voices. You got to listen to the one voice. And it goes back to that scripture. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What does that mean? Is that in your conversations and speaking, you must speak the word of God. Iron sharpens iron. It must be on your tongue constantly. But you shall meditate uh, in it day, uh, day and night. What does that mean? Eastern meditation, yoga, Zen Buddhism, blanking out of my mind, centering prayer, no. Meditating on God's word is a Hebrew word, which means a cow is chewing on the cud. So the cow will bring the cud up and chew on it and ruminate with it. The idea is that you're thinking about the word of God, and then you're trying to figure out how to apply it to your life. That's what biblical meditation means. And then he goes, so you've not got to think about it. It's got to be on your mouth, but then you have to apply it and actually live it out. And that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So that's where hey, you got to do it at some point. You just got to go out and, and say, tater chip, let her rip, we're going to do this. And then, what is, what, look what he says for the success. For then, if you follow me obediently, you will make your way prosperous. Again, not health and wealth, but succeeding in doing the will of God endeavors. And then you will have good success, Joshua, Rock Harbor. And that has been a constant battle. To, to, to keep on the straight and narrow, to stay obedient, because so many, so many things from the outside want you to compromise. That's what we will continue to do. So again, comes from obedience to the word of God. Now here's the, the principle I have learned. That, that principle of percentages, to the percentage that you're obedient will be the percentage of the help you get. You decide to do things on your own. You decide to do your own agenda. You're not going to get help. He doesn't promise help to those who are disobedient. Even in our own personal lives. You want God's help? Just be obedient, and he will help you. If you want to do things your way, he says, fine. Then go, go run yourself against a brick wall, and I'll wait till you come back. But if that is a key thing. Now, here's the thing that we have to leave you with. We have crossed Jordan, Okay? You remember the rest of the book of Joshua. The rest of the book of Joshua is fight after fight after fight. There are giants in the land. Do you realize this? There's Nephilim, Anakim, Rephaim. How are we going to take those giant clans on? How are we going to take on the walls of Jericho? How are we going to do this? Well, we got more to do. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it the same way we did it before. It's the same principle. It doesn't change. We carry those principles with us and moving forward, realizing we're not done. We are not done. We have a lot more work to do. And my admonition to you is help us. If the Lord's calling you to help us, get involved at some level. Because at, 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 at this point, we're in the fight. We're in the trenches, and we need more soldiers in the trenches. Too many Christians AWOL right now. Too many Christians sitting this one out. Hey, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and the angels are all going to be gathered around, and all the believers are there, and you will have to stand one-to-one -one with Jesus. 
And you could almost hear the angels saying, where were you when the fight was going on? Where were you in the last days? Where were you when the church was going apostate? You want to be able to say, Lord, I was evangelizing. Lord, I was teaching two and threes. Lord, I was discipling. Lord, I was mentoring. Lord, I was doing X, Y, and Z. So that you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this first day. We inaugurate it. It's dedicated to you. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to continue this fight as Joshua went into the promised land. And I just pray, Father, you would equip us. We know your presence will be with us. Help us to obey the simple act of obeying so we can have your help. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that hasn't come to faith in the Messiah today, they would do so realizing Jesus died on a cross for their sins, was buried, rose on the third day to give everlasting life to anyone who believes. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming this morning. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.